We'll start here in the book of Matthew again. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17 through 20. We're going to kind of jump through a lot of scripture. And, um, you know, as we've had a busy weekend, I was like, man, you know, let's go for a, a light meal. But I feel like, like this is actually going to be a very heavy meal tonight. Um, and I think it's going to be really beneficial if, you, if maybe this is fundamental, the things you've, you've heard before in your life. But I feel that there's some things here that we need to hear. And I think people who are going to hear this and the people that you're going to share this with, are, it's going to be the exact thing that they need to hear. And so um, let's jump right in. It says here, do not think that I have come. This is Jesus talking. He's speaking um, again, the Sermon on the Mount, that idea of, of him coming and, and establishing what the culture is going to be, establishing what his throne is going to look like, establishing what what he wants for the new people, the new uh, the, this new covenant that he's establishing. He says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell I, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And there's a lot of good verses here. Um, You can look through. We'll we'll, we'll dive into this as well. Uh, But as Jesus is talking um, a quick reminder, this is Jesus. He's sharing um, to the people a multitude. So he's not just talking to a couple of people here. He's talking to probably thousands of people that are, are watching him and listening to him and gravitating to what he is saying. And here when Jesus has come to paint a picture, and one of the things that I feel like God's been leading me to share more and more about is this idea of, of Jesus coming um, to establish a, a heavenly kingdom. Uh, the people Matthew was writing to a primarily Jewish audience and the people have been expecting a Messiah for thousands of years, prophesied by Isaiah, Jeremiah, other different um, prophets that shared and wrote about a soon coming Messiah. And the people of Israel believed that the Messiah would come and 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 just uh, redeem the people of Israel from Roman oppression and and some of the tyranny that was living by under under Herod and at that moment. So when when they're listening to this and and I, I want us to to understand this over and over again and I say this every week because I want us to understand that that the, that people when they speak the gospel many times they speak a, a gospel that that it might embody something physical here on earth or it might embody things that are, are good, material possessions, wealth or or something that's nice. But I, I feel out throughout entire scripture, what Jesus wants us to understand is what I've come is not just to just establish something on earth because that's not my primary goal. Uh, he did come and he did miracles on earth and he helped people and, and brought people out of out of sin but the most important thing is that Jesus is establishing is something that is leading people on a pathway to salvation and eternity in heaven. So it's not just 
okay, the here and now, but it's the future. It's the it's what's happening, what's to come. That there's more to this life. There's more to uh, here living in Earth. Um, and so it's not just about what we've been learning here, what what we're doing here, but we can rejoice in one day that we'll be reunited with loved ones that have died um, if they know the Lord. That we can be part of that. And we could come with Jesus because there's a pathway of salvation. Uh, Thousands of years before this, the people of God were given the law by Moses. Uh, We were were familiar with the Ten Commandments and, and, you know, thou shalt not do this and thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal. All these different things that we must do. But um, apart from that, there was over 613 commandments, rules, traditions, um, even examples without even number, uh, which, which made the law... Uh, even confusing to many people to exercise um, for the mind, and it was a burden for people's consciences. These people lived under this idea of this is the law, this is what God has uh, defined as the law, this is what Moses established as the law, and you had to do this, this, and this, and this in order to fulfill the law. But the reality is the law had so many things that you had to do that a person could never fulfill Every single one of those obligations. You just couldn't. There's, there's no way that one person was able to go through. If you, if you study books like Exodus and Leviticus and, and Numbers, Deuteronomy, the, those five, first five books of the, you know, of the Old Testament along with Genesis. If you study these books and, and the laws being established, there's no way one would do something. because and, and, and the reason for that is that one, the law is a reminder of our need for the righteousness of God. So every single time we speak of the law, we understand that, that and the people are speaking about the law, we understand that, that the law was present and God made a law for his people in order to, for them to be exhibited, in order for them to be understanding that there is a, a, uh, a, a, there is a word or there's, there's a, a law, there's, there's things that they, 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 they must do, things they have to fulfill. And that's what the law was. It was this idea of, of this is my God, his establishment. You, you, you can remember the people of Israel when they were set free from slavery in Egypt. They came out of bondage and they were um, on their way to the promised land. And as they were on their way to the promised land, they had been in slavery for 400 years. And then when they were in slavery, slavery for 400 years, um, when you live as a slave, you think like a slave. You can get someone out of slavery, but the mindset sometimes is still in slavery. Um, you can get someone, um, like I've said before, you get someone out of the hood, but they, you know you can't get the hood out of the person. Same thing. <laughs> so uh, same thing with slavery. It's like you know when people have been in in bondage for so long, there's there has to be a reintroducing of of law and order. There has to be a reintroducing of this is the way to live. There has to be a reintroducing of of new a new lifestyle, a new a new paradigm of how they are. They're not just the same person anymore. They're just not they're not the same type of of individual. Um, when someone comes to God or or when God establishes a new life, he is he is people are establishing um, God is establishing even something even even greater, um, more more powerful. And it's not just a um, an earthly things that they need to worry about. There's there's things that that are in the eternal. 
And so when 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 God establishes law with the people, he's he's basically training the minds of the people that there's something something new that needs to happen. And when you look at the spite of the law when the Old Testament, when you know, we think about um, the New Testament and we think about what God is com- com- coming and what he's establishing in the New Testament. Um, we don't get rid of the Old Testament and say, hey, OK, that's we're done with that. You know, we're done with that part of the Bible. Um, we're only going to focus on what Jesus has done because we, we, we don't get the good story. We don't get the full story without understanding the story it took to get there. For instance, when God set you free or God changed your life. The life is so the, the story of your life is so much better when you when you when you share the bad parts of it that took you to get there to, to where you're at. You know, the good news isn't good news without the bad news. It simply is not. And so the, the Old Testament is this depiction of 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 the law, the judgment. And it's a reminder of our need that God is righteous God is holy, God is perfect, and we're never going to get to that perfection to fulfill the law. We just won't. There's nothing we're going to do. We can't fulfill. We can't look at all 613 of these commandments, all these little rules and regulations. And there's, there's nothing we're going to be able to do to fulfill every single one of these. It's just, it's just not possible. I mean, if you read some of these, some of them are crazy, outrageous. You don't wear this type of clothes with this type of, 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 of clothes or this type of fabric or you don't shave this part of your head. And, and, you know, it's just crazy. But the reason why it was there is because it's helping a people understand that there's a need for the righteousness of God. And the righteousness of God is, is only done through the law. And there's a separation between us and God. There's a God that's perfect. But then when Christ comes, he says, I didn't come to, f- to abolish the law, but I'm here to fulfill it in every way possible. I'm here to take the things that you, you're, you've learned, heard all your life, and I'm able to share with you a whole new paradigm, a whole new way of living. Christ is the reminder of the end of the law for righteousness. Last week we talked about Good works and, and this idea of um, how good works are not a means of grace. Um, it, it just simply is not. Uh, we could do all we want to do. We can, man, we could think, we, oh, man, well, I, I, let me give a little bit here. Man, let me give some more money here. Let's let's work over here. I, I'm going to I'm going to show up a little bit early to church to check out, make a checklist of all the things I got to do. There's nothing you're going to do as far as good works. That's going to get you to God's salvation. Um, that's that's there's, it's just impossible. There's nothing that you're going to do as far as good works. That's going to get you um, into God's good grace and favor. It's not going to happen. What God does for us is that he gives us love and grace no matter who we are, no matter what we've done, and he offers salvation for us. Amen? There's nothing. And, and as we interact with people, I, we, we want to believe in a spirit of religious, religiosity that's because that's what religion is. It's this rules, regulations, laws. And where God says, I come in and you have freedom that you don't have to live under a law anymore. You're living under my, my, my grace, under my salvation, my plan for you. See, the law is a reminder for our need of our need for the righteousness of God. But then Christ is the reminder of the end of the law for righteousness. Like I said, good works is not a means of grace. 
good works is an evidence of grace, meaning if God changed your life, therefore, I want to live in evidence of that. I'm, I'm not going to live the same way I used to live. I, 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 I'm not going to have the same habits I used to have. It's, I'm not doing it because it's going to help me get too closer to God. Every other religion will share that idea of, okay, you do this, this, and this, and that's how you earn your salvation. And this way, in this, in this gospel, there's nothing you can do to earn your salvation. It's given freely to you. But because we're saved, we give everything to God. That's the beauty of the gospel. Let that soak in for just a second. Because of God's grace, there's nothing that we can do to earn it. And we're never going to get it. We're never going to work for it. It's already there. Let us rest a little bit better this week and understand that. That a lot of times I feel like in church that we feel like we're not good enough. We're not good enough for, for, oh, I'm not good enough to do this. I'm not good enough to be baptized or have communion. I'm not good enough to, to, to work in ministry or serve. I'm not good enough. I, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not there yet. I'm not as holy. God says it right here. You're never going to be good enough. But because of me, you're, you, you, you're able to do what you need to do. You're able to be the person I've called you to be. There's a difference between the law and the grace. The law says you're a sinner and because that you're condemned. Romans 7, 2. That's what the law says. But the gospel says Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. First Timothy 1, 15, Acts 16, 31. The law, the law comes back and says, didn't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God and therefore you will not inherit the kingdom of God? That's what the law says. But then the gospel says God has made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin so that you might become the righteousness of God in him. Second Corinthians 5, 21. Then the, then the law says, tries again and says, pay me what you owe me or else I will throw you into prison. Matthew 18, 28 to 30. But the gospel says Christ gave himself as a ransom for you. And so you have been redeemed. You're not paying nothing. There's nothing you have to pay um, for it. Christ has already paid the price for our sins. As we study the, the crucifixion and everything that leads up into the crucifixion, into Easter, there's nothing that we can do to pay Jesus or pay for our sins. Our salvation's already paid for. He paid the ransom for our sins. We are redeemed. Redeemed is the idea of, 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 of we've been able to be come, come back to God. We can reconcile with him. We've been paid for. The law shouts at you now. Well, you have not done all that I required of you. Therefore, you are cut off from me and you are not my people. Deuteronomy 27.6. But the gospel sings even louder. In the face of the law that shouts at you, the gospel says even louder, Christ has redeemed you. From the curse of all, he was even made a curse for you. Galatians 3.13. And everything that the, the law is telling you that you're not good enough. Jesus in his grace, he says, you know what? I, I, I have already come to fulfill the law of, of, of the prophets. I've come here. The, I've come here to establish something new. Again, the law demands. You are guilty before God and cannot escape the judgment of a holy God. Romans 3 and 3.19. But the gospel promises the Father judges no man, 
but has committed all judgment to the son. John five twelve. The the good news is good news because the bad news of, is our sin, and because of we could not fulfill the law, and because we're not righteous, there is someone that came in before us and fulfilled all righteousness. A man who never sinned, a man who never failed, a man who who never forsook us. He came to this earth. He died on the cross, and because of him that it was fulfilling righteousness, he filled the law. There is not one dot, not one dot nile iota can that can stop what jesus has established and he is here and and he's here for every single one of us there's nothing we can do to earn it god has already given it and it's here amen like how martin luther said it like this for gospel is greek and means good news because it in it it is proclaimed the saving doctrine of life of the divine promise and grace and the forgiveness of sins are offered. Therefore, works do not belong to the gospel, for it is not laws, but faith alone, because it is nothing whatever but the promise and offer of divine grace. He then who believes the gospel receives grace and the Holy Spirit. Martin Luther was one of one uh, a, a great man of God, the father of the Protestant Reformation uh, back in the year 1517. Um, important person because he comes he came in to the story and if you've never studied Martin Luther he's probably one of the most influential men in the history of Christianity um, as he basically divided this Catholic church that said you have to do this you have to do this you you have to pay this and do this in order in order to earn your salvation and gain your salvation and so when Martin Luther began to investigate um, he he instituted this idea of a, a solo scriptura which is this latin word of uh, by scripture alone and 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 he he even said by faith alone and and by justification by faith and we're justified just because god has has already paid the price and in god's faith in god's um and 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 faith in him we have life today there's no good works that we can do there's no nothing that we can do that's going to help us get closer to God. Let this be a good reminder today. Let this fill our heart. You know, early on when you're younger, you think, man, am I ever going to be good enough for God? Like, am I ever going to if I, you know, and then you look at and you, you epitomize and you look at great men of God and preachers and pastors on the platform. You're like, man, I'm not, I'm never going to be that good. I'm never going to be like them. But I'll, I'll speak to you just as a as a as a person who's a broken minister. I I'll, I just want to be real with you. If God is using me and if God uses my wife and 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 God still wants to use you as well. And every single person that comes through these doors and every single person that we encounter through Vive Houston, God will be able to use. And there's nothing they can do to earn their salvation. God already gave it to them. It's us. It's the duty for us to present it to them. There's a satisfaction and there's a weight off our shoulders. A freedom that says, man, no matter what I've done, no matter what I've, I've, I've not done, 
man, I, I have God that, that, has, that has already paid a price. So do not think I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've come to, not to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is not saying, don't forsake everything that's here. Don't forsake the past. But use this as a a point of understanding this is how we get closer or this is this is how how much we need God in our lives. When when we go back through the Beatitudes, this idea of spiritual dependency on God. We have to realize that we we are the imperfect ones and God is the one that's up here. We have a God that that is imminent, meaning he's 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 near us. But he's also transcendent. He's above us. He's far further. He comes. He 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 comes into both forms, and he's he's here with us right now. And because of his righteousness and his perfection, will never be that way. But but he doesn't. He he's not here to, to necessarily uh, defeat us, or or he's here to offer grace. The law is going to say one thing. See, the good news is not good news without understanding the bad news. The bad news is that we were a sinner and we were never going to make it. And that's what the people of Israel needed to know. That, that's why they went through thousands of years of the law. So that to, it, for them to understand, the law required sacrifices. The law required, man, you, you needed to do this. You needed to do that. You needed to pay this type of sacrifice. You needed to accomplish this. If you, if you read through all this, but the whole re- purpose of all that is to we get to this scripture verse. And Jesus says, it's finished. It's, it's done. It's, and when we get into crucifixion and when we talk about that, it will help us better appreciate what Jesus really came to do. He says, for I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes of the Pharisees, scribes and the Pharisees were the ones that helped held the law. It says, unless your righteousness exceeds that, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You want to know how to enter the kingdom of heaven? It's not you're just you're you're just trying to fulfill the status quo of the law. You're trying to fill the check marks. It's going above and beyond that and letting God fill them for you. I want to pray, and I I, I feel like this is a good word, and I, if 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 I I. I but I feel that this is where, 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 where we really need to be at with God. If you study scripture, the Old Testament, this law, the prophets, everything that happens. Everything in scripture is like, like I said a couple weeks ago, it's one big series, one big saga. Like you can't just read one, pick, pluck out one verse without understanding the entire story. And you look at the whole story all together it makes much more sense. And when you put the story all together and you see all the bad news that happens in the Old Testament, the good news feels a lot better. The weight off my shoulders is so much better. That there's no, nothing I can do that, that, that's going to separate me from the love of God. 
And even when I fail and mess up, there is God. But because God has saved me, now I want to live differently. I don't live differently so that God can save me. I live differently because God saved me. And many times in church we get this confused all the time. We confuse this all the time. And we confuse our children and our youth and and we say you got to do this, this and this. But because God saved me, that's why I want to worship him. That's why I give it to him. That's why I, I, I give all I have. My finances belongs to him. My career belongs to him. My marriage belongs to him. My household, my children belongs to him. My car belongs to him. Because God saved me, everything belongs to him. And out of the overflow of, of what he's already given me, it, it all comes to back to him. And because of God, his mercy and grace, it's for him. There's nothing I'm going to do. I can't, I can't work or do this. Feel free that this is a weight off your shoulders today. If you feel inadequate ever in your life, I want to share this message over and over again. I really feel that this is something that that people have have struggled with for years. They said, man, I'm I'm never going to make it good enough. Jesus says, the gospel says, I have good news for you. I have good news for you. Let's pray. Father God, thank you, Lord. God, we thank you for the good news, God. God, we thank you for what you can share with us, God. Our righteousness is, like the Bible says, it's like filthy rags. We can't offer you anything, God. But in you, we're made right with you. We're justified by you. And in you, God, We don't have to worry about law. We worry about your love. And we depend on you. It's not an excuse for us to do what we want. No, but it's a reason all the more to serve you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.